0: The Memories in Your Biscuits by Felpata Lupin, narrated by Facing the North Wind for HBFanficTalk.com. The rating is M. August 31st is always a special day for you, a day filled with excitement and anticipation because tomorrow your students will be back with all their chaos and teenage drama, but you don't mind because you love them all as if they were your sons and daughters. This year, you're even more excited, because someone else is coming back, another young member of your vastly enlarged family, one of your best and favourite, even if you know you shouldn't have any, former students coming back at Hogwarts as a teacher. It makes you so happy, because this was his dream, and nobody deserves to see his dreams come true more than him. There was a quiet knock at your office's door. You shook your head slightly as you called. Come in. He opened and peeked inside timidly. He was sickeningly pale, with dark bruises under his eyes. The full moon had been only two days prior, so it was only natural. Oh, please, Mr. Lupin, come in and sit down. Stop acting like you're going to the gallows. Yes, ma'am, sorry. You studied him for a bit, your chin resting on your joint hands. It's a pose you took after Albus. Thirty years working side by side with him had done this to you. I suppose I don't need to explain to you the aim of this encounter, you said seriously. He nodded, but you noticed that he was avoiding your eyes. He also seemed to have no intention to speak, so you prompted him to. Tell me, then, what's your ambition? He shrugged, still avoiding eye contact. I don't know. Nothing in particular. You had expected a similar response, but you weren't going to just accept it. Surely you've taken a look to the pamphlets the Ministry provided. Of course. And nothing sparked your interest? There must be something you would like to do. For the first time, he actually looked at you, and there was a defiant, almost reproachful light in his eyes. I would be content with getting a job at all. We both know it'll never happen, so why can't we just stop with this farce? He was right, of course. It didn't mean you liked to hear him saying that. Maybe you conceded, in a much sweeter tone than what you'd used till that moment. But let's say—let's imagine, just for a minute, that you didn't have lycanthropy. What would you like to do, if that was the case? His milky-white cheeks suddenly turned crimson, as he said very quickly, and in a tone that was barely above a whisper, "'I want to be a teacher.' "'I beg your pardon?' "'Um, I—I would—I would would like—I would like to teach, Professor.' you couldn't help but smile at his confession. It made you proud, in a way, and you really couldn't imagine a better person for that role. I'm glad you're interested in the teaching career. It's a beautiful and fulfilling profession. Any subject in particular you're interested in? Not sure? Defence against the dark arts, I I think. I will inform the headmaster of your aspiration in the meantime i'll suggest you to keep on with as many mute courses as possible teaching here at hogwarts requires an excellent general knowledge and i'm sure it wouldn't hurt for you anyway the more qualified you are the better job options you will get once graduated you should go on with defence of course and then charms transfiguration potions Don't look at me that way, Remus. Potions is a fundamental part of a good wizarding curriculum, and I advise you that Professor Slughorn will accept only students who get at least an E in their owls, so you'll want to improve your grades. Yes, ma'am. Very well. Off you go now. Yes, ma'am. And Mr. Lupin? He stopped with his hand already on the handle and turned to you once again. Ma'am? Good luck, you said with a last smile. "'Thank you, ma'am.' "'He didn't have much good luck, sadly. "'No, he definitely had the worst luck possible. "'But he would get a new occasion starting from tomorrow. "'You want to do anything in your power to make his stay proficuous, "'and most importantly, this is why you want first of all to give him a proper welcome, "'and which better way to welcome him than make for him your renowned biscuits?' You tickle the pear in the still-life painting, and it giggles hysterically before transforming into the doorknob of the kitchen's entrance. Even after all this time, you can't help but marvel at the complex yet perfect weave of magic that permeates the castle. You step into the kitchens and inhale deeply. The delicious smell of soup and shepherd's pie and freshly baked bread fills your nostrils. You're in your realm, in your safe haven. Nothing and nobody can bother you here. Nothing and nobody can hurt you you finally stopped your run once you were sure no one had followed you in that corridor you leant against the wall and passed the back of your hand on your teary eyes forcing yourself to get back into control those nasty kids didn't deserve your consideration anyway they were only envious of your talent you shouldn't have listened to them at all only a few moments later, when your sobs have subsided enough to actually be able to hear any other sound, a muffled giggle reached your ears. You moved away from the wall and turned, discovering that you hadn't been leaning against a wall at all, but on a painting of a fruit basket. All of a sudden, the painting turned into a door, and you curiously opened and stepped inside. An intense perfume of cooking invaded you, and you saw a few meters under where you were standing at least a thousand house elves scattering in every direction. "'busy with the preparation of dinner. "'Good afternoon, miss,' a squeaky voice exclaimed. "'You looked at your feet. "'A house elf stood in front of you. "'She looked very old, her ancient face streaked with wrinkles, "'her tunic worn off by years of usage, "'her skin graying and rough. "'Still, she was smiling amiably, "'and you couldn't help but smile right back. "'Miss seems upset,' she said, concerned. "'Is there anything Edda can do for Miss?' "'It's nothing.' edda will make miss a cup of hot chocolate is it all right and then edda can bake biscuits for miss biscuits yes edda can make very good biscuits edda is very good at making biscuits can i help you making biscuits the little elf looked at you doubtfully nearly scared from the little you'd come to learn about house-elves you imagined she was torn between the need of obeying your request and the horror of letting a human help her in her job which was probably the biggest dishonour for a house-elf please he asked again you could teach me how to make the bestest biscuits ever and everyone would want to taste them you would make me very very happy pretty please the very happy card seemed to work because edda smiled and nodded and then led you down the stairs into an empty table in a corner she snapped her fingers and suddenly a sack of flour a bowl of sugar a block of butter and half a dozen eggs in a basket appeared out of nowhere you smiled excitedly every thought about your nasty schoolmates gone from your mind edda has been long since gone by now but she still lives in your heart and in your biscuits you've spent entire afternoons hiding in the kitchen kneading and blending with her you've perfected her recipe together and together you've created new combinations of flavours adding chocolate or cinnamon or coconut. some of the house-elves stop their activities and observe you as you move towards your table edda's table with a firm step none of them ask why you are there none offer to assist you they are used to your lonely habits by now you flick your wand and summon all the required ingredients then you put your wand down on the table and roll up your sleeves You could do everything by magic if you wanted to, and it surely would be quicker, neater and more precise. But there is something suave in the feeling of the shortbread under your fingertips, a joy and a feeling of contentment you are hardly able to explain. Baking has a magic on its own. Pastry-making is not so different from transfiguration. You take something, and with your diligence and energy you transform it into something new, something different, something better. It's more than simple magic. It's alchemy a loud thunder distracts you from your work you should be used to these sudden violent storms scotland surely isn't known for its sunny weather and you ought to know it since this is your land the place where you've grown up that you've called home for practically all your life yet you can't avoid the shiver that crosses your spine at the sound because something about this particular storm is unsettling because it isn't natural you can feel the dark power behind it, you know it is caused by the hellish creatures surrounding the castle right now. You try to remind yourself that this evil is necessary to take a bigger evil at bay, even if you still have trouble to believe it sometimes. He had been one of your favourites as well. You never suspected, never realised. How didn't you see it? How didn't anyone see it? charismatic was the first adjective that came to your mind when you first set eyes on him he was only eleven back then but there was a sadness and awareness in his stormy gray eyes that transcended his age you observed him carefully as he moved towards you towards the stool with caution yet resolute at the same time his surname might have called for slytherin but everything about his expression and general behavior screamed gryffindor so you didn't feel that surprised by the sorting hat's verdict He beamed loudly and ran excitedly not towards his new house's table, but towards another child waiting to be sorted, a kid with black uncombed hair and round spectacles. "'Did you see that, James? I did it! I broke the tradition!' "'Of course you did, mate! I knew you couldn't be a bad guy!' He had been wrong. James Potter had been wrong, back then and in the years to come— black had fooled him had fooled you had fooled everyone and now james was gone lily was gone peter was gone a salty tear escaped your eye and fell into the dough you pretended not to notice as you went on kneading trying to empty your mind of all those sad memories letting the constant rhythm of your hands movements soothe you you admire your creation through the glass of the closed oven door a smile spreading on your lips as the biscuits take the golden brownish tint while slowly cooking as their fragrance starts to diffuse in the air and reach your nostrils you've shaped them as the lunar faces. you know he won't mind You know he'll be amused by it. You haven't realized till now how hot it is, standing there near the oven. You pass the back of your hand on your sweaty forehead, shoving away at the same time a rebellious lock of hair that has escaped your tight bun. And then you freeze, literally. All the kitchen's warmth is gone. An inexplicable frigidness takes hold of your body. You exhale slowly, and a puff of moisture leaves your lips. The lights in the kitchen go off. Some of the house-elves shriek. You're blind you're scared you're helpless you can't see the beautiful golden-brownish tint of your biscuits can't smell their comforting fragrance any more a deep overwhelming despair fills your heart and mind but you're not a bully child any more your Minerva McGonagall, a brave and volitive woman, a brilliant witch, an esteemed member of the teaching staff in the world's most renowned school of witchcraft and wizardry. So you turn to face the high hooded creature slowly floating towards you. You try to keep your fear under control, try not to show it as you maintain an impassive look on your face. You search your brain for a happy thought, even if it seems impossible to find happiness in your thoughts right now, while your hand automatically runs to your pocket where your wand should be. Your tension leaves place to confusion for a moment when you can't find your fur and dragon heartstrings companion there. Then you remember— you've put it on your working-table when you started to bake but it's too late the rotten hand of the demon has already taken hold of your throat you're shoved against the wall unable to free yourself completely defenceless you want to scream but you know you can't you force your mouth firmly shut and turn your head to the side as far as possible from the dementor's face trying to avoid its putrid breath trying to ignore its creepy rattle but there's only so much you can do and soon you're forced to look at it to face it again it advances slowly noisily and the last bit of hope you've been clinging to seems to slip away and then new sounds fill your ears new shapes and colours fill your eyes a scream terrified painful you're not sure where it's coming from all you know is the person who emitted it is in pain they need you you have to help them a scream loud fearful terrified you turned to dorcas and she nodded briefly seriously you both started to run your wands in your hands ready for the fight you reached the centre of the village private homes and little shops overlooked the small circular square a fountain spilled clear water in the middle of it it must have had a quiet little heaven once but at the moment there was no heavenly quietness only carnage at least a dozen corpses laid lifeless on the ground men women children you put your hand in front of your mouth trying to force down the bile rising in your throat then an even more horrifying sight distracted you a little kid not older than six years old was fidgeting and screaming in pain while a woman probably the child's mother was on her knees clutching the edge of her son's torturer's robes pleading for mercy through her desperate sobs you shouted, putting all your strength in the charm. An invisible barrier formed, separating the Death-Eater from the mother and child. You ran to them to offer your assistance while Dorcas engaged herself in a duel with their aggressor. Only when you'd managed to reassure them and made them run for their lives, you went to join the battle. But it was too late. You saw the green light hit her chest, you saw her fall backwards as if in slow motion, and all you could do was scream her name one last time. She was more than your ally, she was your best friend. She was your love, she was your life, and now she was dead. The scene dissolves like it has come. There is no square with spilling fountain any more, but the acrid smell of death is still here. Your tears are still here, hot on your iced cheeks. The revolting face of the Dementor is mere inches from your own. It's going to kiss you, and you know you have no way to escape it. Your consciousness is slowly slipping away from you. You feel your eyelids growing heavy, your energy drifting away, your mind shutting down, darkening, darkening, darkening. Expecto Patronum! Something silver and bright trots in your direction. You make out the silhouette of an animal. Is it a doe? Interposing itself between you and the Dementor, forcing it to move away from your exhausted self your legs can't sustain your weight and you slide down till you're sitting on the ground your back leaning on the wall and your head resting on your shoulder a gentle hand cups your cheek and something humid and fresh dabs your sweaty forehead you can feel the warmth of the kitchens again you can smell the fragrance of your biscuits slowly cooking in the oven thank you you whisper to your unknown saviour with a tired smile and finally you subside to your exhaustion and close your eyes abandoning yourself to oblivion.